Wow, holy cow. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. They have a terrific lineup of live courses you can attend either online or in person. They also have a terrific backlog of courses you can watch, including JavaScript The Good Parts, Build Web Applications with Node.js, AngularJS In-Depth, and Advanced JavaScript. You can go check them out at frontendmasters.com. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A., Bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they give you a $2,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jammer link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hire to get a $1,337 bonus if they accept the job. Go sign up at Hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber. This episode is sponsored by Widgmo 5, a brand new generation of JavaScript controls. A pretty amazing line of HTML5 and JavaScript products for enterprise application development in that Widgmo 5 leverages ECMAScript 5 and each control ships with AngularJS directives. Check out the faster, lighter, and more mobile Widgmo 5. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there, along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on solid-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code JavaScriptJabber, you'll get a $10 credit. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 172 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel we have Joe Eames. Hey everybody. Amy Knight. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Quick shout out if you're into Angular, we are putting on Angular Remote Conf. You can go check that out at angularremoteconf.com. We also have a special guest and that's Jason Rhodes. Hi there. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Jason, as was said there, and I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, JavaScript developer working for a company called SparkPost. I've been never heard of it. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> I think you've got a connection. Uh, yeah, so we we probably heard of it if you've heard panelist Amy talk. We are coworkers. We sit a few chairs away from each other when we're both in the office. Uh, Who should we feel worse for, you or her? <laughs> uh, definitely her. Definitely her. Yeah. I got her into this mess, so... He did, sort of. <laughs> I just have one question. Does she have a lot of cat pictures at her desk? Not really. Not as many as you would think. I have no cat. I'm not a cat lady. I have no cat pictures on <laughs> just my a desk. Cat, just a cat stroller lady. <laughs> that was totally my husband's doing. <laughs> <laughs> I threw him right under the bus there. <laughs> yep. Other than that, I have been uh, organizing a Baltimore chapter of Node School for about a little over a year, and just recently also started co-organizing a JavaScript meetup in Baltimore called Charm City JS. So that keeps me pretty busy. Wait, it's called what? Well, so we have this really cute, quote-unquote, nickname for Baltimore. It's been around for a long time called Charm City. Nice. So tell us a little bit about Node School. Sure. So I... You know, just up front, I'll say I, I didn't have anything to do with starting it. Uh, that got started 
at a NodeConf uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now, um, where Substack was giving a talk on streams at NodeConf and decided in his way, I think you've had him here on the show, mm-hmm. uh, in his way, he decided to go all out and make a module for his talk where he was able to have people actually play with Node streams during the talk. And he made it in kind of a game fashion. You could open up the command line and old school DOS style kind of keyboard through the different commands and the different lessons. And then it would just do some kind of I.O. checking to check the output of your file against uh, what the answer should be and tell you if you were right or not all during his like 30-minute talk. And people got uh, so into it that they decided they wanted more of it. I think it was Rod Vag who abstracted out a part of it called Workshopper and was able to make that available open source for people to build on top of. And kind of over time now, I think there's something like 35 different official quote-unquote workshoppers on the website now um, that are all built on top of this system, teaching all different node and then also just general JavaScript concepts all from the command line. And so that was kind of the original start. But then it kind of branched out from there. And on the Node Up podcast, they talked about it, which is where I originally heard of it. And they started saying that they wanted people to decentralized in a decentralized way to start meetups around this kind of idea where you're teaching people how to learn JavaScript on the command line together in a room. And a few people had done it. There weren't many chapters at the time, and I got interested, so I started one in Baltimore. We were one of the, I think there were maybe four or five at the time, and we started having events, and it was really, really popular. People were really interested in it, and it seemed to work really well. And so I got really involved and just started thinking a lot about open source, education, and how to teach JavaScript, and it's just kind of been a, a fun, wild ride from there. Interesting. So when they call them workshoppers, are they people that actually hold the workshops or design the workshops? Or Yeah, the terminology is so funny because it kind of gets confusing all over the place. Like The workshopper is a tool you can use oh. um, to build a lesson. So it just gives you the framework so that you have the menu and uh, the checking of the answers. versus So you just kind of set up your lesson in a certain folder structure and you create your problems and your questions and your answers. And then it'll funnel everything through and make sure that it can check a person's answers against your correct answers and all that. So that's what Workshopper is. Um, so then people have built lessons or courses, I guess you would call them, uh, on top of that, which are also sometimes called workshoppers or workshops, so the terminology is confusing, but those are things like learning Node was the first, well, Streams was the first one, and then the, the next one after that was just to learn Node itself, and then since then there have been ones on Web Audio and learning Babel and WebGL, Promises, Functional JavaScript, all sorts of stuff. That actually sounds really cool. So then somebody pulls the workshopper thingy in and has the meetup and they present and walk people through the stages or whatever. Yeah, our our format has been pretty typical, I think, of how they've gone. We'll get a couple either called TAs or mentors um, to come and volunteer. And we usually do it for about four hours on a Saturday or Sunday. And we'll sit down and invite everyone in. And then we pair people up. Uh, explain how the thing works, and then we have them do 
some semblance of pair programming to work through it where, you know, one person has their computer closed, the other one has it open, they work through it together, and the mentors hover around and answer questions. And it does this kind of typical cycle where the first 15, 20 minutes are really awkward and silent and people aren't really interacting with each other. And then they start to open up and then all of a sudden the room's full of buzzing and people are helping each other. And uh, it usually ends up pretty great. We get a lot of good feedback about the format. I'm kind of torn because part of me wants to talk about the program and part of me wants to talk about like what makes a great workshop, what makes a good lesson. Mainly because I want I want this to be something I just got back from a conference on podcasting and I've been thinking a lot about why I want to do podcasts and ultimately I want to learn something. I want to come away with this uh, desire to explore more and I yeah, I really just want to feel like I really picked up something interesting. And teaching workshops is something that's really interesting to me. So how do you format this workshop or this module, I guess, that people are working through? Uh-huh. And then how do you get your presentation to line up with it? Are there good tips for that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the trick for us and for many people who have uh, attempted this, I don't think it's unique to Node School at all, but the balance between uh, something that is valuable versus something that's too difficult for people who are maybe new even just trying to figure out what the target audience is. Uh, we try to be open to everyone, and some people are even trying to be more open than we are, saying any, like literally anyone can come. And if you don't, you know, we have lots of mentors, so if you don't know, you know how to do programming at all, then we'll just sit with you and help you get everything up and running. But we did that the first couple times, and it was really exhausting to get people who don't know anything at all. And they felt frustrated and so it's hard to kind of find the balance. So what we found is the Learn Node course is a pretty good one, a little bit of a steep learning curve, um, but it's focusing on something that you can at least walk away from the course feeling like you learned something is definitely a huge advantage. Some of that aren't even focused on Node, like I've heard the one about Express or the one about Promises can be really good because people can kind of dig into something and walk away with having learned something, which is really, really key to having them feel like it was worth their time to come for four hours on a weekend. Um, so that was huge. But ultimately, we found that getting away from focusing so hard on did you learn Node.js, we've focused on helping them also learn things about how to learn themselves. So like skills about how to look up things on Google. So like maybe people didn't know about the Mozilla developer network and how it has a really great documentation site for JavaScript. So we were able to point that out to them and kind of get connected to resources and tools that they didn't know were available. And that's been another huge thing. Like just our mentors have been so good at answering questions and pointing things out for people that they actually find them learning how to learn and how to interact with the open source community. And and that's just been kind of an open door for why I think this format is so useful. So in your talk, you talked about how you like to do the pair programming stuff. And I think as I've kind of been like trying to learn how to learn Working with someone who is your equal or closer to your equal than someone uh, way more advanced than you is actually extremely beneficial. I guess they like call it peer learning, which is the style that you guys do there. And I think that's good because it forces you to not just listen to someone's explanation, but to talk through it and form it into your own words. So you kind of, it sticks. 
Yeah, for sure. I've seen even here at work at SparkBus here, um, just when there's too big of a difference between two people, it's almost hard to uh, remember how to explain something. We had a, a mentor come to one of our events who's brilliant. Uh, he came to our functional JavaScript meetup and was a mentor for that and was, was having a really hard time helping people who were new to functional JavaScript because he was just so advanced that he couldn't even explain it. He was just telling them how to do it, uh, which wasn't helping them at all. So we try to avoid that. But yeah, to your point, Amy, one thing we do is uh, when we have people sign up, we have them identify on a, you know, a three- or four-point scale about how comfortable they are with JavaScript or are they coming from another programming language or are they totally new. And then we um, have someone sitting at the door who has that list with them checking people in and we give people colored name tags based on the group that they self-identified with. What's funny is they usually forget that they already self-identified, so they're confused when I tell them to pair up with somebody who has the same color name tag. They're like very confused, like how do you, how do you know what my JavaScript level is? But it's because you already told us. So that's worked out really well to kind of get people close to where they might self-identify, so they can pair up with the right people. Kind of on a separate note too, the other thing I really like about it is for somebody who's new to something like this, so I know this like your workshops aren't necessarily geared to beginner programmers, just people new to Node, but just the format of the lessons, I know I feel like I learn better being closer to the middle, I guess you could say, like I'm <laughs> actually writing code as opposed to like watching a video and there's like portions of code already filled out for me and I'm just filling in the blanks, like I like having my editor open and doing something like that. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely an advantage and a disadvantage because some people get overwhelmed by it. So like the very new beginner has some trouble with that. But yeah, I think things like Khan Academy and some of the other ones do a pretty good job of bridging that gap, trying to find a good balance in between of where you're comfortable with, whether you're just comfortable reading something, watching a tutorial, or coming to something like Node School where you can really get your hands dirty with something. Um, and, and that is helpful. That's why it's also helpful to come back. We, we try to have these events and, and redo the same lessons, and we invite people to come back a second time and, and do it again. Uh, we haven't had a lot of luck with that. People, I think, think that once they've done it, they've done it. But I think the idea is that we can advertise to the same groups of people and get them to come back because I think the second or third time they're going through it, they'll learn even more because they're prepared to actually dig into it and actually uh, practice, right? Keep practicing the same skills. So let's say that I decide I want to pull together a node school meetup in my area. What, yeah. what kinds of things should I be doing to get started? Getting involved with a little bit with the community is a big help because everyone's just so, so eager to help. I put up a GitHub thread when I started mine and, and just started asking questions and people from all over the country started jumping in that I'd never met and answering, telling me what their experiences had been. So and that's definitely, if you go to nodeschool.io, that's where the main website is. And there's a GitHub organization and there's instructions right there on how to start your own chapter if you want to jump right in. You don't want to jump all the way in. You just kind of want to look around. You can just look at that website. You can ask some questions. There's an organizers repo. So it's like GitHub slash node school slash organizers. And you can take a look there and just ask questions right on the repo about anything you might be confused about or uh, worried about. And everyone is really, really helpful. So that, that was one thing I really loved about getting started. Um, so that's a really great place to start. Um, other than that, it's just a matter of, you know, if you can find more than one person in your area to help, uh, I would recommend that. 
I did it mostly myself and, and that was, it was fine, but you can burn out pretty fast on it. So finding someone else who might be interested in helping you get started um, would also be a good idea as you jump into it. A lot of different organizations, I guess there's like Rails Girls and Rails Bridge, they try to target minority groups. Yeah. And I think Node School is very similar in what it's doing, but it doesn't have that emphasis. That did not deter me at all from attending, but I'm curious if you've heard of anyone, any feedback that you've gotten that maybe it does. Yeah, we haven't gotten any specific feedback, but the feedback is in the room in the sense that our attendees are not too diverse. So we've talked about it. I've talked to people who mentor with me and talked to people who are helping me to organize the Charm City JS meetup because we're starting to kind of combine those two things together a little bit here in Baltimore. And just how can we do a better job of that? And we haven't come up with many awesome answers, which is I think why the ones that really focus in, like the ones you mentioned, they have an easier time because it's obvious that they're focusing on that. And so it's obvious that they're creating a space that those people are welcome in, that anyone's welcome in, right? But that especially a specific group that might feel like they aren't welcome in a traditional programming setting. Uh, and so it's harder when, you're, when you are targeting everyone. Uh, it's harder to convey that message that, yes, this is a safe space, this is a place that we're trying to make welcome for everyone. And so how do you communicate that message? And so we've just been talking about ways to advertise out of our normal group. Like right now, a lot of, our, a lot of my advertising for my events is on my Twitter feed. And the people who I follow and who follow me tend to be people who are like me. So how do we break out of that? Maybe advertise on bulletin boards and local universities, community centers. How do we just kind of get the word out that we want to engage with everyone, but the easiest people to engage with are the people that you already interact with in your regular social circles. So we're trying to brainstorm ways we can break out of our regular social circles and get the word out that this is a free, open, inclusive event that uh, should be available to anyone who wants to learn anything about programming, especially Node. That makes sense. So we've talked before, I think, about this. What have you learned as a developer or as you're mentoring people from watching them learn? How has that helped you? I'll say, even before I say what I learned, just that it's just so fun. Like even, even outside of you know, practical learnings, like every mentor I've ever talked to, after spending four hours walking around answering questions, they're more energized than you know, any other developer I've seen after four hours of doing anything else, especially you know, like kind of the conference buzz, but even more so just being able to explain things and teach people and watch them as they start to kind of get things together. It's really, really energizing and inspiring. So I would say, just number one, it's super fun. I've had a lot of fun doing it myself. Uh, as far as learning goes, um, you know, I think it's just a, a neat way to brush up on the fundamentals that it's easy to forget about when you're in your day-to-day job. You know, you're often solving really specific problems at work. And so when you take a step back and you look at uh, the functional JavaScript course or uh, the streams course, and you go through those lessons to prepare, you're like, oh, right, I, I forgot that this existed, or I forgot how to do this. And now when I'm back at work, I can remember, oh, I just brushed up on streams. Now I have that kind of ready and, and right closer in my, my memory uh, and able to pull from that when I need it. So that's been, that's been nice too. So 
if you want to organize, but you don't necessarily want to be an instructor, is that possible? You don't want to yeah. be a mentor, I guess? Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's easier to find mentors than it is to find organizers. So I think you could put that call out. To be quite honest, I don't get a chance to do a ton of mentoring at the events myself anyway, because uh, I'm running around keeping th- making sure everyone has what they need, making sure snacks are put out, making sure we're on time for breaks. So you can definitely do that. If you want to organize and not be in front of people much at all, which I think there are probably people who would be good at that. I think that's something that you could easily do too. You may just want to find someone else who's willing to kind of do the MC duties, um, standing in front of everyone, welcoming them, uh, maybe maybe explaining the event, uh, wrapping up at the end. That would probably be a good idea if you don't really if you don't feel comfortable doing that. Uh, but you could still do all of the uh, event organization, getting the location down. Um, putting up the registration page, advertising, all that stuff is really necessary. And splitting those up between two people is, I think, would be a great idea. So what about like time, commitment, and effort? How big of a deal is it to put one on? It's pretty big. It's probably similar to most meetups um, if you're trying to organize a meetup. Uh, one way I got around that was I didn't commit right away to an every month schedule. I said uh, we would do one every other month, and so that helped a lot. So I have a month off to kind of get catch my breath and uh, see what I learned from the last one, and then start the next planning for the next one. The other challenge compared to other meetups, um, one of the other challenges I would say is with a meetup, you kind of have this idea of momentum, or with any event really, conferences, meetups, um, where if someone comes and has a great time, they're more inclined to come again. And they're more inclined to come again and invite their friends. So you have a kind of a snowball effect where you don't have everyone come back, but you do have a chunk of people who come back and bring more people. And so you're not trying to start from zero every time. Whereas with an event that kind of pitches itself as a school or a course, there's this sense, like I already mentioned, of completion where you do it once and you think you're done. And you don't really pay attention to any marketing that you see about it after that. And so we end up kind of dredging the city for a new batch of attendees for every event that we have, which is a little bit exhausting. And you kind of have to plan for that and be ready for that and know that you're not going to just be able to rely on people coming back because most of them don't, despite the fact that I think that they would it would be beneficial for them to do so. Um, and so you need to kind of come up with strategies about how to get around that. And the main one that we've come up with, which is why we're doing what we're doing, um, we took a small hiatus for Node School right now while we got this Charm City JS JavaScript meetup up and running. There's a lot of excitement around JavaScript in the community, and they want to hear things. They want like a regular event, and Node School really couldn't provide that. And so we started a JavaScript meetup where we have 10 to 15, 20-minute talks. Uh, we do three or four, three or four a night, and we have that every month, the same night, and we have kind of a consistency and a regularity to it, and we're building up a pretty nice group of people who do have that momentum. They come back, they invite their friends, and so now we have kind of a captive audience, and we can say, all right, we have a Node School event coming up this Saturday. Why don't you guys all help us spread the word and tell your friends about it, and hey, you know, you're here at this meetup. We have a little bit of time. It's not just a tweet. We don't have like one second to catch your eye. We can actually explain to you 
that coming back for a second or third time is beneficial and here's why. And so we have a little bit more of a stream of people that we can push into our events. And we haven't had a chance to test that out yet. Uh, we're planning our next Ned School event for this fall where we'll be able to start doing that with the two audiences bleeding over into each other. And I think that's going to be, at least that's our latest idea for how to combat that, that effect. Makes sense. So what about like the experience level of the topics that are taught? You end up only getting like people that are absolute beginners or is it useful for people that are more advanced, for developers that are more advanced with more experience? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. We started off with just doing the, it's called Learn You the Node for Much Win, I think, some sort of weird title like that. But it's the, it's the workshop lesson that te- teaches you just Node.js. And we started just doing that one for a couple of events. And then we came across this problem where uh, we wanted to be able to appeal to people who maybe were interested in, in the more advanced topics. And so we started doing two at a time. And I honestly think that we could probably do up to three or four even in any one event. Uh, the reason being is you don't really have to have mentors who have, like we were worried that all the TA mentors would need to have gone through all of the, of the individual lessons of every course. So say uh, the functional JavaScript course has 15 lessons and each one has 15 lessons. And that takes up a lot of time for every mentor to be able to be prepared. But we've discovered that you know just having someone who knows JavaScript a little bit better than you and can sit down and help you think through the problem is really enough. So it, it's nice if you can go through at least at the first chunk of each course that we're going to be uh, offering for that event. But you don't really have to be an expert. You don't have to go through the whole entire thing. Uh, you just have to be there and be willing to help people kind of think through how to debug a problem. And that's really your most useful asset. And so with that kind of thinking in place, we're able to offer uh, multiple lessons at once. And so we can kind of have people self-identify which one they want to sign up for when they sign up. And then we offer those uh, if we have enough people who have signed up for them. And that gives us a way to have multiple streams of activity happening all at once. And that's worked out pretty well for us. And I've actually seen other people in other chapters, uh, which there are, I think, something like 150 chapters all over the world right now. And I've seen that working for a lot of them. So that's where we are right now. That's a lot of chapters. Yeah, and those are the ones that we know about. I think there's maybe 130 that are listed on our website. We, If you start a chapter, you can just submit a pull request to the GitHub page to put your name and information in a JSON file, and then it ends up on a, a chart um, up on the website. And so nodeschool.io slash chapters.html, I think, is the page. It's a static-generated site. Um, but it, it has, I think, something like 130 there right now over the world. But there's a lot that don't submit the pull request, that don't tell us about it. And so there's quite a few. So is the community tight? Does the Node School community actually like communicate a lot? It's a very decentralized organization style in that weird, ambivalent sense. Um, so we share with each other a lot of times like what's going on. We'll start threads on GitHub pages and have conversations through that. There's also, uh, if you've heard of Gitter, uh, the chat room that hooks up to GitHub. Yep. Um, it's kind of like a UI on top of a, an IRC style. Um, it's kind of struggling, I think, to compete with Slack now. But uh, there's a Gitter room on the, the GitHub uh, Node School org. So people talk in there and share things. But it doesn't, I wouldn't say we're tight because we don't, 
there's not like a node school conference. There's no like meta events where multiple chapters get together. It hasn't happened yet. And so we, we kind of just are all fending on our own and creating our own uh, events and experimenting and then looking for ways to kind of share that back upstream in kind of a decentralized Git model, I guess you might say, in a nerdy way. So speaking of the number of organizations, was it last week that I yeah. saw tweeted that it got deleted? And mm. Did you follow that? How exactly did that happen? Because yeah. it's not exactly an easy thing to go about deleting a repo. Yeah, it's, it wasn't a repo. It was an organization. Oh, okay. The oh. whole organization disappeared overnight. So Max Ogden has been kind of uh, one of the biggest contributors to getting everything off the ground once uh, once actually the first few lessons got going. Uh, Max was one of the big proponents about of uh, us all starting chapters and keeping them decentralized. There was some talk at one point about creating a foundation or creating some sort of official documentation about how to start a chapter. And he, I think he and some other people, myself included, resisted that just because it ended up making it into something that it didn't really need to be. But the flip side of that coin is um, what we would do when you wanted to start a chapter is you would just start a GitHub thread saying you wanted to start a chapter in Sheboygan or wherever you want to start a chapter. And we would just make you an owner of the organization, and then you could invite your other co-organizers and start a, a sub repo on the Node School organization. And they had the DNS set up so that you would automatically have a website for your chapter at nodeschool.io/slash the name of your repo. And it was great. I mean, it was a really nice, easy, simple workflow. But the flip side is everybody has a lot of power. And somebody, we think it was an accident, we're not sure, but somebody accidentally deleted the entire organization. So all the workshoppers, all the chapters, all the websites, everything was gone. Luckily, Max and some others have some friends at GitHub who were willing to jump in and help. Otherwise, I think it would have been a lot worse. But they were able to recover everything. So they weren't able to recover the relationships between the repos, so who forked what and all that. And there's some other things that they had to uh, manually reset, and we're still working through that. Like, for instance, when I woke up that morning, I was subscribed to GitHub notifications for 150 repos all of a sudden. And so my email inbox was flooded with emails. So we had to go through and figure out a way to unwatch and all that. But I mean, that's kind of the two edged sword of having total decentralization and everyone being equal versus now. When they restarted it, they only made like five or six people owners and everyone else is just admin on a certain repo and trying to make sure this doesn't happen again and still give people autonomy. And that's always a delicate balance. I think we're just kind of learning how to, how to do that. Seems much smarter. <laughs> is there anything else we should go over before we uh, jump into our picks? Yeah, I mean, I think the only other thing that I wanted to just kind of reinforce or say or whatever is just that I really do think that this model teaches more than, than just the topics that you want to learn. So like more so than something like Code Academy where you're going to jump into that at home and you're going to learn about JavaScript and then you're going to leave. This, I think, has this interesting side effect of really teaching you how to be a member of an open source community. Uh, we had a, a survey that we give out at the end of each of our events, and we have a guy who's come back every time. And every single time he fills out the survey, he says uh, he doesn't like the pair programming. He likes everything about the event, but he doesn't like the pair programming. He likes to just – the way his brain works is that he likes to work on things by himself. And 
we just had a talk about how we're not going to change that because uh, that is how your brain works. And you know, in my opinion, if you want to take advantage of things that open source gives us like node school workshoppers and events and free things like that, it's a really good idea to kind of jump in and understand how open source works. And one of the ways it works is by people working together. And so if you want to go home and do the workshop course by yourself, you can do that. It's totally free. You can just grab it, do it by yourself at home. But if you're coming to an event that I run, at least, part of what I want you to take away from that is learning how to collaborate with someone next to you, learning how to maybe answer someone else's questions and being able to understand that, hey, this JavaScript community thing is real, it exists, it spans all over the country. We talk about the other events sometimes, just let people know that this is something that's happening all over the world, and that there's a community out there. If you have questions, you can ask them, you can get involved, and it's more than just learning JavaScript. It's learning about what that community is and and how to contribute to it. So we're hoping that we're doing a little bit of good on that side as well. All right, awesome. Before we get to picks, I want to take some time to thank our silver sponsors. This episode is sponsored by TrackJS. Let's face it, errors cost you money. You lose customers, server resources, and time to them. Wouldn't it be nice if someone told you when and how they happen so you could fix them before they cost you big time? You may have this on your backend application code, but what about your front end JavaScript? It's time to check out TrackJS. It tracks errors and usage and helps you find bugs before your customers even report them. Go check them out at trackjs.com. This episode is sponsored by CodeSchool. CodeSchool is an online learning destination for existing and aspiring developers that teach us through entertaining content. They provide immersive video lessons with in-browser challenges, which means that each course has a unique theme and storyline and feels much more like a game. Whether you've been programming for a long time or have only just begun, CodeSchool has something for everyone. You can master Ruby on Rails or JavaScript, as well as Git, HTML, CSS, and iOS. And more than a million people around the world use CodeSchool to improve their development skills by learning or doing. You can sign up at CodeSchool.com slash JavaScript Jabber. Joe, do you have some picks for us? You betcha. I'm going to have two picks today. The first one, actually three. This one is in honor of Amy. I love the show Better Off Ted. It's (laughs) an awesome freaking show. And it was only on for like two seasons or something like that. Cut before it's time. Just a fantastic show. So... There's an episode in Better Off Ted when the company wants to encourage people to express their personality, but doesn't necessarily want them to express a personality that they don't approve with. So they assign every person randomly one of like three personalities and they decorate their cubicle for them. And one of them is cats. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not a cat lady. And so I'm not saying you are a cat lady. It just reminded me of of that when we were talking about decorating, having your cubicle decorated. Anyway, yeah, cats and people who like cats. And it's just it's really the show. I like the show. It's a great show. Oh, God. Wait for my pick coming up. So my husband and I's fifth anniversary is coming up. Mm -hmm. And he is surprising me with something. I don't know what it is. But he has asked for a cat wheel. That is what he wants me to get for our fifth year anniversary. Like a hamster wheel for a cat? It is like a $300 wheel for a cat. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I I know. (laughs) Hook it to a generator. Then you're set for the zombie apocalypse. I think the problem is that I've been so busy programming that my husband is just like really deprived and he's like desperate for some time with someone and the cat is the next best thing. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I'm interrupting your picks. So, sorry. 
It's a no problem. So then I also want to pick that conference. I'm going to be out there in like which conference? Um, that conference. That conference. <laughs> Not I'm this be out conference. There in just a short amount of time. And I'm really excited to uh, go and be out there and talk. It's my favorite conference. A lot of it's because of the location. Having a conference that's in an indoor water park is just awesome. But there's also a lot of other things to love about it, such as bacon. So that's my other pick is that conference. And then lastly, I want to remind, I've said this before, but I'm doing some training for Primitive I.O. here in a short amount of time and like a couple of months month and a half. And so if you're interested, head to Primitive Ion and sign up. That's it. All right. Amy, what are your picks? Okay. So my first pick, I'm going to help out Jameson here, and I'm going to pick React Rally. It's in August, or it's at the end of this month, August 24th and 25th in Salt Lake City. So you should definitely, uh, if you're in the area, go, or you should look at getting tickets and flying out there to go. Uh, so that is my first pick. And my second pick, we just got done recording another podcast uh, about Felcor, which I feel like most people probably are familiar with at this point. But if you're not, there are some YouTube, I guess you could call them like tutorials. I think there's like 10 of them. You should check that out. And I'm going to say by the time that this episode is out, that there will be an actual Falcor beta release for everyone to check out by then. So you should take a look. Very cool. So I've got a few picks. This last weekend I was in Fort Worth, and I just want to shout out to the gentleman that I had dinner with while I was there who listened to the show. John and Proctor, they've been listening to Ruby Rogues also for a long time. They set all that up, and it was a lot of fun just to go and eat way more meat than is healthy for you because we were in Texas, and uh, just chat and have a good time and figure out what you know what people are thinking about and worried about and doing and Anyway, I really, really enjoyed it. Also, I've been thinking for a while that uh, I kind of want to see what the listeners think of the show. And so I'm going to set something up so that you can actually take 15 minutes. I'll get to know you a little bit, which is something that I enjoy doing. And uh, also figure out what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, what it means to you. You know, whether this is your way of kind of keeping up on what's going on in JavaScript or just a place to see if there's new stuff to learn, or if we just fill time while you're in the car. I mean, anything like that. I've, I've heard all of those things about various shows. So just to find out you know, what we're doing and what's working and what we can do to be a better show for you. Um, so if you go to JavaScript Jabber slash 15 minutes, that's one five minutes, all smushed together with no spaces, underscores, or anything else, it will take you to a page where you can schedule 15 minutes of my time so we can talk. And we'll just do that over Skype. So anyway, I appreciate you taking the time and go ahead and uh, get on my schedule. So finally, my last pick. If you don't know, I uh, have a mastermind group that we record the calls and we post them as a podcast every week called Entreprogrammers. And we're putting together a retreat. Uh, We figured out about what it would cost. And that's what we're charging you. So if you are interested in coming and hanging out with myself, Derek Bailey, who was on a week or two ago, John Sanmez, who wrote Soft Skills, he's also been on the show, and Josh Earl, who's another friend of ours. We're going to be out there. We're going to be talking business and code and stuff. So if you want to come be part of that for a few days, this is in the middle of October. I think it's like the 14th through the 16th, but don't quote me on that. You can go find out more if you go to entreprogrammers.com slash retreat 2015. We're also taking a few days, just the four of us, to do kind of a a more in-depth retreat with each other. But we want to help other people who are trying to do business or do code. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. Um, There are only 10 spots. So 
if you want to come, you got to go and, and sign up pretty fast. So anyway, that's what we got there. Jason, what are your picks? Yeah, so I'll start saying uh, two of my coworkers, uh, Jason and Nancy, along with my friend Bryce, uh, got me shamefully addicted to an incredibly nerdy card game called Love Letter. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. There's a bunch of different versions of it. Uh, the original one has like characters that are from medieval times, but uh, I don't I don't play many card games. I don't play. Uh, I, I definitely don't play any of the role playing games. I never have. Just never got into it. But uh, this is just a really. It's a quick card game. It's you can play around in like five minutes, uh, and there's a lot of strategy around it. Uh, it's called Love Letter. There's a bunch of editions and it's super fun. So if you want to get addicted to a fun card game, I would check it out. Uh, I'll plug Charm City JS one more time and just say if you're in the Baltimore area ever, uh, if, you, if you live around there for sure, or even if you're just traveling through, you know, get in touch with me. We'd love to have you come to an event or speak at an event, whether it's a no school event or just a, a meetup for JavaScript. Love to hear from you. Uh, and then the last one, it's kind of old, it's, um, but I'm just I'm still buzzing about it. Uh, months ago, I saw Mad Max Fury Road, and I keep going back to it. Can't get it out of my head. So if you haven't seen it by now, please, please go see it because it's one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. So those are mine. All right. Well, thanks for coming, Jason. That was fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great to be here. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Do you wish you could be part of the discussion on JavaScript Jabber? Do you have a burning question for one of our guests? Now you can join the action at our membership forum. You can sign up at javascriptjabber.com slash jabber, and there you can join discussions with the regular panelists and our guests. 